Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. Excited to be back with you on this episode. Took a couple of weeks off for a break for these holiday seasons. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. As I was thinking about the start of this year, I want to encourage you to come up with some kind of a New Year's resolution, if you will, uh, but maybe a God or a spiritual resolution that you'll do. I wanted to share with you what I, what God's kind of put on my heart to do. This last year, I went through chronological Bible reading program, and I strongly encourage you, if you've never done that, to do that. Uh, I was able to get that uh, chronological Bible reading program off of a website and uh, go through the Bible. It gives me three different places to read every day in its chronological order, in the order that events, the way things happened in Scripture. It's very helpful, and I learned a lot through that. But this year, I'm going to study, try to study 12 books of the Bible in depth. That'll be one a month. This month, I'm going to be studying on Job. So I encourage you to come up with something that you're going to do this year that'll be spiritually different. Maybe it'll be more prayer time, but try to be specific on what you're going to do. So you want to set a goal and try to meet that goal. And uh, last year, I was able to meet my goal, and it made me you know, feel feel good that I was disciplined enough you know, and, and to be able to do that. Uh, not that I'm proud and that I'm able to do it, but that really I'm focusing on what God wants me to do for that year or that time. And uh, many times I've not done so well. I've made mistakes. I've made commitments I couldn't do. I've overcommitted. But I think if we'll just get, give God an extra 15 to 30 minutes a day and do a spiritual principle, we'll see great fruit from that. Uh, principle that we decide to do. But as I just was thinking about what to go through, I was going through some books and through some thoughts that I had, but I thought I kind of wanted to uh, kind of freestyle. Uh, one time I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, I have several things that I could talk about, but I kind of wanted to talk about some things that are on my heart, some things that come to me from people from time to time that seem to be common things. And one of the things that comes to to me uh, from time to time from friends and from people that I've counseled from people in the church is, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of common things in our life. And first of all, I want you to know something, friends. If you're battling something and you're battling that you are you're you're struggling with an issue, you're struggling with maybe a financial problem, maybe a marital problem, maybe you're struggling with a health problem, whatever problem it is, remember this: that it's a very common problem most generally. It's very odd that there's something that comes up that is new. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And it's very important as we're going through life that when we're going through something that we realize that someone else is going through it. You know, I thought about how whenever they take uh, cancer patients into the room and they usually they'll be on chemotherapy and, and the way they design the room for chemotherapy is very interesting because what they'll do is they'll put a square around every room. They don't isolate them, but they put them together as they're taking chemotherapy and they face one another. And that gives them an opportunity to talk to one another. And they say that there's a great help that that does as they begin to talk and interchange and see each other week after week, year after year sometimes. And it's just a very 
good thing, a very good practice to be started with that they're able to start conversing and see that's the way it is in the church. And I encourage you, if you go to a church that you get in that inner circle, that you start conversing with one another because the devil tries to separate people out and to tell you that you're the only one going through what you're going through. But the truth is you're not. There are many people probably going through the same thing you're going through, but you have to have these intimate relationships in your life. You know, something that's been crucial in my life. I've had two or three men that have been crucial in helping me through my life that I've been just uncompromised truthful with. I just tell them the blatant truth that's going on in my life, and it's been so good for me. But I know many people, many people that walk through this Christian life that never find anyone that they can truly just be bare before and just be rigorous, you know, honest, just rigorous honesty to where you can just be cut real. And friends, I'm telling you, I find it to be a pitfall in the Christian life because people can't be real. And and the church, the old church, when the church was brought, they what they would do is they would bring their tithe to the storehouse, the Bible said. They would bring their, their fruit. They would bring their uh, corn, if you will. They would bring their barley in the bag. They would bring part of a lamb or part of a, a, of a goat or whatever they would bring. They would bring their milk and then they would share that. And what they would do is they would bring it to the storehouse, and then they would break that down into maybe smaller packages, kind of like a little grocery store, and and there was some work that went on there in that storehouse. And then as people would come in, they would they would share with them. And a matter of fact, just think about when you go to a restaurant and you sit down to eat, how you share with one another, and then think about those people that brought everything. Someone had to organize that, put it on a shelf, put it in another bag, put it in a smaller portion, cut it up, you know, differently to where they could distribute that accordingly to to you single people that were coming in and families that were coming in. And there was this transaction that took place between people that there was great healing. I'm sure there were people that would come that would be sick, that were working in the storehouse, and they'd be prayed for. And I can see a, a, a two wives or two husbands conversing and talking about their week and about their day. And friends, as I see culture... And that's one of the big problems I see with the church today is I see culture, we're getting more social media all the time. And I'm not against social media, but we're getting so much social media that we're being less connected in the church. Now, there are, there are homes that are different. Some are more connected than others. I think some people do a great job of connecting in the home. But what about connecting in the community of God? And if I can't go to church somewhere, I can be real with people then I am in I, I am in a dangerous, dangerous spot for me spiritually. You know, I understand that we can't even as, as preachers and ministers, we can't go share, you know, blow all of our dirty laundry all over. But I'll tell you this, yesterday a man called me late at night and I talked to him and spoke with him and I shared out of my personal life, my personal marriage, my personal day-to-day life. I shared some things with him. And you know what it was? It was a great relief to him. You know, and I don't know about you, maybe you're maybe you found a different way to do ministry, but my ministry is contingent. My ministry, it works hand in hand with spiritual uh, concepts that I've learned through daily life. My struggles that I've learned, 
I've used to help other people. I, I know very few stories or analogy, analogies that come from these, these things that I think up or that God gives me and that I just kind of talk about. No, I take my personal spiritual life and I help those people and walk hand in hand and disciple someone. And it's so important that we have those intimate relationships. I see a lack of it. I see a lack of people. I see a people that will come in and worship. I see a people on the television that know how to praise God and raise their hands and worship God. And I thank God for that, for corporate worship. But there's also a place for intimate worship with one another that we talk and share and pray for one another. You know, I know all of us probably have a great fear here. We have a great fear that we'll be real with someone and tell them our business and they'll tell someone else. Then friends, I'll tell you what, if that happens and you're talking to the wrong people, but even at that, say you do share something. I've shared things that I didn't want uh, friends to share and they go and run and tell someone else. And then you know what I do? I use the scripture. I use, I go to Matthew where Matthew uh, chapter 18 tells me. Then I go to my brother or my sister if they've wronged me and I speak to them about it. And I tell them that, that, that it's hurt me and that it's wrong. And you know what? They have an opportunity to repent and to change and to tell me I'm sorry and to turn. And really, that's what, the, that's what I'm talking about, about this intimacy. When someone hurts me, I don't run away and get my feelings hurt and not say anything and then go talk more bad about them or seclude myself. That's not Scripture. See, that's what the culture tells us. And that was one of the things that was on my mind. You know, we, we kind of have, have taken, and, and, it's, and it's a natural way to, to, you know, the culture is what we naturally live in, in life, in this world, and how we see uh, other human beings reacting. And so we kind of emulate that. And we kind of take the culture and bring it into the church. But see, so we get into an argument with someone at work, you know, we get upset with them, then they turn away from us, they shun us, whatever, they go talk behind our back, they go tell our boss on us, whatever they do. But that behavior has no place in the kingdom of God. It has no place definitely in the church. Church. It's a whole, the Bible says that we're to be a peculiar people, a different people, you know, and we're to be real with people. And it's so difficult to see. I mean, I do. I see a lot of great relationships. I see a lot of great things happen in the church, people helping people, people praying with people, but I also see people walking in and out of church every single week that are hurting, that have problems, that are, do not have that inner community, those three or four people people that they can lean on and trust and in a prayer group. You know, my wife has several uh, ladies and throughout the years, and sometimes, you know, there's seasons in life that she'll have one lady she'll talk to, and then maybe that lady's busy or maybe they grow apart for a while, but she always has someone that she can share personal prayer requests. They have a little prayer group. And I mean, hey, I'll say this. I've been in some of those prayer requests. You know, and I've heard people say, don't ever say anything bad against, you know, your spouse or against your husband. And I know there's a place for that. You can't air every little argument, but there is a place to tell someone, hey, me and my husband had a disagreement and I'm really hurt by it. And I need you to pray for me because I want to be godly. There is a place for that. By the way, when we tell someone that, we might actually let them know that, hey, we're a human being. 
You know, we have struggles too. I don't know how many people in the church believe it's kind of like that social media look. You know, you go on someone's social media on their Facebook, their Instagram, and man, everything looks perfect. And of course, they take the pictures of the best moments and you think, man, they have it pretty good. When we come into church and we're looking our best, if you will, and we've got all, you know, our hair done right and our good clothes on, I mean, people see us, but they don't see us on Monday morning when the struggle's real to get out of bed and, and get our devotion done and go to work and deal with the boss it's very difficult to deal with you know and we need to be careful not to have that social media facade in life you know i see people losing this in-depth relationship with one another and absolutely my wife is my best friend but i still have to have other men that i can be real to about men things that only men you know can understand there's only hey I understand it's it's a dangerous place to tell a lot of people, but I would pray for a mentor for 2020. I would pray that you would get a mentor in your life, somebody that can mentor you. But I'd also pray for someone, a friend in your life that you can trust. And by the way, the Bible says if we want to have a friend, we need to show ourselves friendly. You know, we can't recluse and we can't, you know, stay away. I've seen people that say, oh, I'm just having a hard time getting connected at church, but then they don't, they don't stay after church and they don't go to the potlucks we have or the, the little fundraiser dinners we have and they don't stick around and sit with other people and start talking to other people and asking other people, you know? And these are a lot of times these are people that have battled things like depression, that have battled things like hurt and wounds and scars and that that I've counseled and, and they they're not around. And and I and I think you're missing out on one of the greatest things we do. Besides our course, corporate worship, we break down into other groups and begin to talk and begin to share. And that's how you're going to find those people. That's how I found the people in my life. You know, I didn't put a sign on my head that said, hey, I'm looking for a friend or I'm looking for someone to be real with. It just naturally happened as I hung out in the house of God. As I went to, I remember one of my uh, great friends that, that I've had for years now, uh, he doesn't go to our church anymore, but I just was going to Bible study with him, a Wednesday night Bible study. And we did it for a long, oh, oh I probably did it for about six or eight months. And during that Bible study, we gained a relationship and we today talk and, and not every week, but once a month or so or Sometimes twice a month we talk and, and I make time for him. And if he calls and said he wants to talk, I say, okay, I'm available in two hours. I try to clear my schedule if I need to, because if he wants to talk about something, it's probably real important. And he does the same for me. I've driven, uh, I've driven a half hour away to go see him. He's driven a half, half hour away to come see me. Well, he, well, that's the way it is. It's, it's someone that can have my attention at just a phone call or just a text message or an email. I mean, that we need those people in our life. And if you don't have that person, and I want to encourage you to reach out to people, to ask for those kind of people. And then, by the way, let me say this as, as, as a real note, is I also have a counselor that I go to. You know, you say, man, you have a lot of stuff. Well, in the kingdom of God, I want to take advantage of everything that God has. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. So not only do I have my friend that gives me counsel, I have someone that if I'm going through an issue, me and my wife, uh, probably about six, eight months ago, we went to speak uh, to a gentleman that's counseled us for years. You know, when we were first married, we went to a counselor. And then I see people going through life struggling with the same problem again and again and again and again, and they won't get counsel. You know, when we went to counseling uh, in the first part of our marriage, it was difficult, very difficult, because it was $100 an hour. Our 
insurance didn't pay. And I'm going to tell you what, that $100 an hour come at a great price. Plus, we drove about 45 minutes to get there. It was difficult. There was no Christian counselors in Wellington. There was some uh, people that did some secular counseling, but we wanted a Christian biblical counselor. And we went to that biblical counselor, and he was coming at a price tag of $100 an hour. And I'm telling you what, friends, that hurt. We had kids at home, you know, kids at home that, that had a lot of needs. We were raising four children in the home at that time. And I'm telling you what, that hurt. But I'll tell you what, it was worth every penny, and I'd pay double today. And I'm telling you, we had to go out on a limb and sacrifice greatly to pay that. We was paying $400 a month for counseling, and we went for like six months every week. We committed ourselves to that. And by the way, now, that's where God called me into counseling. It was one of the first times we met, and the anointed man of God spoke to me and said, look, here's some things you need to work on. And he brought a whole different narrative, a whole different perspective than what I understood. I was only saved at that time for about two years. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. And he was one of the people that sowed into me. So now from time to time, I call it a brushing up or a freshing up. We go back to him. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of that. I pray that you have a counselor in your life now. If you're not struggling, I don't want you. I mean, if you're not having a difficult problem, I don't need, I don't think you should go. But if you see a problem that's not getting better and you're praying about it and you're seeking the Lord about it and you can't get any victory over it and you're stuck maybe in a crazy place, you need to go to a counselor. Why not find you a good biblical Christian based counselor? And I say that not lightly, a biblical Christian based counselor and, and not just someone that says, Hey, I go to church, but someone that can speak the truth into you. Do you know that most counselors that you go to can't say that they're saved, they're born again, and that they're, and that you, that if you are in some sin, then it's wrong. They can't take a stance like that. Go to a counselor that can be real with you about sin. I mean, that's what the scripture does. It tells us that sin is wrong, and it tells us a way out of sin. And that's what I mean about a biblical counselor, but we went and we found great victory, and it helped us, and we sent our children. Uh, there's sometimes our children went through some things. Now, I wasn't big on making them go all the time, but if I was having a struggle with them and they couldn't understand and uh, say they were having a trouble with me and a trouble with people at school and they couldn't get victory, then I'd say, well, it's time to go. And some of our kids went once or twice. Some of our kids went five or six times, but I wanted to connect them as, especially as a counselor, I wanted them to have someone else they could talk to, talk to about me, talk to about, uh, you know, my wife, talk to me about people at school to where someone could live listen to them objectively that they could hear and that that person could hear from God. And I've tried to train them in the way that counseling's good. Counseling's not a bad thing. I go to these mental health conferences and they say that uh, counseling has a stigma. Mental health has a stigma. Well, that's just, that's just, I'm sorry, but that's just ludicrous. Yes, it may have a stigma, but it's because of the people. The church won't stand up and tell people that they need a counselor. The scripture says it clearly. There's safety in a multitude of counselors, you know, that we must find that safety. And I I know this is kind of my soapbox here, but it's just so difficult because do you have that person in your life? Maybe you found a way to be spiritual without it. Maybe maybe you're the exception, but I think many people just don't reach out. And by the way, our church has a way 
to to have a free counselor. We have a lady in our church that does free counseling. I do free counseling. It doesn't always come at a price, but I'll say tell you this, if it does come at a price, wherever you're from, it'll be worth its weight in gold to you and your marriage or you and your personal life. God forbid you go through things and and you don't have that support of a counselor and and you know, as I was thinking about this culture thing, is I, I'm just so concerned that not only in depth of relationships, but also in the way that we see life, in the way that we look at life. You know, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend last night, and and he, we were talking about marriage and talking about love, and and I said, you know, the problem is, is that we've been told what love is all of our life, and we begin to believe it. I mean, we've been told that you can, you know, that these, we watched television shows and, and forgive me if you've never seen it, but my kids watched it when they were younger and we watched these shows where there's vampires and, and, you know, they're not the bad vampires that go around and just kill everyone, but they're the ones that eat, you know, the blood of deers and things. And, and then the girl falls in love with a vampire, not realizing he's a vampire. And then finally he sucks her blood and makes her a vampire and they live happily ever after. And they have all these things that they call conquer and all these battles they go through and they make it look like a sweet picture of love. I mean, what a sick, twisted way to look at love. I mean, we have these things, we have these cartoons of Beauty and the Beast and and how, you know, how, how those things, like Cinderella and those things, you know, where where she falls in love with the prince, you know, and, and, and it's just this twisted way of love, this twisted way of looking at things that, yeah, they're good stories and it's not wrong to look at those things, but that's not love. The scripture says that there's no greater love than a man lays down his life for his friend like Jesus did on the cross. Love is not this emotion that we get because we get the warm fuzzies because someone does something good to us. That's not even in the scripture, but love is laying your life down for your spouse, laying your life down for your friends, sacrificing of your time, even your finances. Love is when the Lord Jesus Christ went to a cross and was nailed to a cross and a crown of thorns driven on his head and then and stripes were ripped into his back with a cat of nine tails and ripped his flesh off of his body. That was love that he put himself in the position of sin and became sin that knew no sin. That was love. Love is an action. Love is what we do. Love is pouring ourselves out and giving ourselves times. You know, the other night uh, I got a phone call and I'd worked about uh, 12 hours that day and and I had a very long day and there was a phone call, but I could tell the person was in need. And I sit and talk to that person for an hour on the phone in my driveway. And it was 10 o'clock by the time I got in the house. But you know what? I felt great assurance because that person was encouraged. That was love. That's what love looked like to me that day. And I'm not saying, oh, look at me and look at what I do, but I pray you're doing that. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever man sows that may also reap. Galatians 6, 7. And I think if I want love and I want people to sacrifice time for me, then I need to be there for other people. And I need to sow into other people because I want to reap the same benefit. Not that it's some kind of a slot machine. God is some kind of a slot machine. I walk up to and pull the handle of something, some mystery package comes out or something special for me. But I believe in sowing into people because I want to reap those same benefits. You know, I believe in sowing love. Sometimes it doesn't seem like me and my wife, I'm sure that I don't seem lovable, but she loves me anyhow because she's going to reap that same love back from me someday. Maybe not that day, but someday. 
You know, we need to be healed of these ideas that our love comes only from our spouse and only from other people, but our love does come through them, but our greatest love comes from God. But he demonstrated his love toward us. And if we love other people and we're in relationships with other people, we have to lay down our life for them. We have to sacrifice for them. You know, one of the greatest things, and I'm closing, is that in our culture today, I think one of the greatest things we can do is give someone of our time. You know, a lot of people have food. Food's not a shortage anymore in America. I know some people don't have food, and, and, and I'm sorry if that sounds crass, but, you know, we have a lot of food and a lot of ways to get food in America. But you know what we're short on? We're short, we're short on time. Give some people your time today. I encourage you. You want spiritual growth? Are you stuck and you don't understand why you are where you are? Make a decision to go to the nursing home. Visit the elderly people. Go to the elderly that's in your family. Go to your elderly in your church and sow into them. And I promise you, God will will pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. But you have to learn. Remember, if you want to reap, you have to sow. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Have a great 2020. And until next time. God bless.